0: program is sponsored by Mission America and may contain views and opinions that do not reflect the views of the advertiser's staff and owners of this station. Some material may not be suitable for children. Listener discretion is advised.
1: Yeah, and to think I used to be a liberal too.
0: Roughly 300 people that were there to celebrate the end of Roe versus Wade, obviously very peaceful celebration. Well, the bottom line comes from the Bible, we are to have no fellowship with darkness. I didn't agree with teachers or anybody for that matter, teaching my children that they didn't have the same opportunities as other children, simply based on the color of their skin. The books today that you're talking about, they're just much more militant and they're targeting even younger children.
1: When we are counting ourselves as believers, that we need to count the cost of being a follower of Jesus. Yeah, and to think I used to be a liberal too this is Mission America with Linda Harvey because with God all things all things all things are still, still possible. Good afternoon friends and welcome to Mission America radio. I'm Linda Harvey and I'm so very glad you joined us this afternoon please visit our website at missionamerica.com. That's missionamerica.com for more information about our organization and to read news articles and Christian commentary on the culture. And don't forget to listen to our four-minute commentaries right here on the Word Columbus on Tuesdays and Thursdays just after 4 p.m. And also be sure to check out all our resources for parents who want to be watchful about the culture's influence on on your kids, and you can learn more right on our website at missionamerica.com how prevalent is sex trafficking, and what can we do to help those who are trying to rescue the victims apprehend these traffickers and bring about justice? And then what can we do to bring restoration and healing to the victims themselves? Well, my guest today is a law enforcement professional who was part of a major sting on sex trafficking in the state of Florida, and we are so pleased to be able to learn from his expertise. Patrick Crow, has 40 years of law enforcement experience previously in the Rochester, New York area, and now in Florida. His resume is too impressive and too long for us to read because it would take up our whole program, but he has served on many special task forces and regularly does training on interrogation techniques. We are going to have Patrick as our guest for two shows, a previous one on child predators, and now today on his work in bringing sex traffickers to justice. He is the author of several books, including Seducers Among Our Children, How to Protect Your Child from Sexual Predators. Well, welcome back to Mission America Radio, Patrick.
0: Thank you for having me, Linda. It's great to be
1: here. So today we're going to cover what families and citizens need to know about sex trafficking. And so first of all, describe your experience and how you uh, got on board this issue in the state of Florida. Thank you.
0: Um, as you- said, after my first uh, 30-year career in uh, Rochester, New York, with the Monroe County Sheriff's Office, I took a year off and ultimately was uh, very fortunate to get hired by the Florida Department of Law Enforcement, otherwise known as the FDLE, in uh, 2012. And when I was assigned to the Southwest Florida region, I was also further assigned to investigate uh, sex trafficking and labor trafficking, with sex trafficking being our uh, major focus because of the exploitation of young women and uh, girls. So I got involved with that uh, at the beginning of my career with FDLE, and I'm currently still employed with the Florida Department of Law Enforcement. What I learned is a lot of information was out there but uh, it, it, it's a difficult crime to investigate and i'll tell you why it's the ultimate crime of exploitation it's it's a truly a diabolical crime against a human being by other human beings And FDLE uh, normally investigates it on a larger scale from an organized crime component. And we also uh, utilize uh, what we would call an international nexus. So I was involved in investigating, consequently, the trafficking uh, from the southern border of the United States into the United States and
1: ultimately into Florida. Okay, so is the situation with sex trafficking different uh, again, down you're in a border state. Florida is considered a border state. For instance, is it different than it is here in Ohio, uh, as much as you can tell? Not really, and I'll tell
0: you why is the cartels the criminal cartels of mexico and central america basically run what we call a very large-scale smuggling operation that involve what we call the coyotes and the coyotes are basically the recruiters and also the uh, individuals that help smuggle illegal aliens into the country and it's a big business with uh, involving lots of money and control and so ultimately, the, it's a very sinister uh, scheme because ultimately many, most all of the females that come across the border have paid their own way to be smuggled in. So they'll pay anywhere between $5,000, 10000 depending on the cost and the route they're taking. But once they get over here thinking they're going to be able to work and, and, and get a job, ultimately, some of them are plucked out from the, the population that's coming over and forced in to sex slavery and that can happen anywhere once they enter the united states the coyote system the network overseen by the cartels then puts these women in places all over the country to serve as sex slaves you know
1: and is a big destination for that yes I'm, I'm listening to what you're saying and the first thing i think is that legal immigration would be a great protection for these women don't you think
0: absolutely The more, uh, I would say, open the border is, the more the cartels win in this horrible battle, as you know, along with the drug transportation over the border. The human trafficking is even worse because these women are literally coming over here paying their way, and now they're being processed as sex slaves, but there's no enforcement at the border, which really kind of hinders the process of trying to curb this type of crime
1: against these women who are being exploited by the very people bringing them here. Now, it's most of the time women, but there are also boys involved sometimes as well. Yes. And, and you're saying that from what you're seeing, most of these women have paid their way or someone has paid their way, but they're not kidnapped in their country and brought over? Or does some of all of that happen? No. Uh,
0: all of it. Victims- i've had uh you know contact with and they're all paying their way it's it you know the the cartels are very sinister they're having these women and their families pay their way through the smuggling remember it all starts out as a smuggling operation they have no idea what they're heading for they just know they're coming over here just for the american dream to get a job and send money back to their family and what is really difficult for a lot of americans to understand is how does somebody end up like that and not just leave well i'll tell you why the coyote system uh remember the recruiters are back down in their home villages all over the central and america and so when these women are told that they're going to be a sex slave and they're indoctrinated into it in a very violent way They're told, if you don't comply, we will go back and harm and kill your family, and then we'll kill you. And the reason why that's believable is because, remember, there's a link between them and where they come from, and it's called the system, Mm -hmm. the the coyote system. So the women know that their family's in danger if they don't comply, and that's how the psychological control they have on these women and girls is they know once they're put into this situation, there's no easy way
1: out. Now, what I'm wondering is, do the women pay their way, but do sometimes the families pressure these women to go, or or even children, now how, how young can these people, uh, can these kids be? Do they, because they are getting something for it, or they believe they will be able to work when they get here? Is there a lot of pressure from the family back home, for instance? I would call it more motivation.
0: I think a lot of families in these countries that are oppressed and have limited opportunities. They send in their children over here because of the certain conditions when a child comes over they are pretty much accepted and they're sponsored. So that ultimately adds to this problem because now you have children being brought into this situation more so than ever and ultimately being exploited sexually as well.
1: So what are the federal and state penalties for sex trafficking? I mean, there are there both? That might get to be too complicated for our, our show, but for the time we have, but give us what you can tell us about that. Well,
0: Florida, we we enforce the Florida law. Florida mimics the federal uh, statutes in many ways: money laundering, drug smuggling, drug possession, drug dealing. And when it comes to human trafficking, we don't lack. Um, as you said, uh, I was part of a, a large-scale investigation back between uh, 2012 and 2015, where we, you know, we ultimately locked up 21 uh, human traffickers. And throughout the state, it was a network, and many of those individuals were looking at 30 years up front if they chose to you know not comply or to cooperate with the investigation so the sentences are stiff in the state of florida i can't speak for the federal government because we ultimately enforce the statutes of florida
1: yeah So one of the things I I picture in my mind, and I I guess this is just a little bit of information can get you into trouble, but I picture the opportunistic sex trafficker who might be a citizen, a resident of this country, and is picking up a girl at the mall, for instance. I mean, that happens also, correct?
0: Yes, that's what we call a domestic uh, form of human trafficking. Where, yes, the, what we would call the, the offender, the sex offender, the recruiter, they use other youths and children to recruit other youths and minors to uh, join the stable, as we would call it, of young girls or boys that will be controlled by an adult, uh, one or two adults. And a lot of times these children are, you know, they're in a difficult position in their lives. They're looking to belong to somebody, to someone, and be part of a group. I mean, that's how gang recruits. Recruitment operates to children with with uh, not supportive families and, and certain things. And I'm not saying all children, but troubled children, children uh, hooked on drugs, and in the domestic trafficking, drug abuse is a big component as opposed to the international nexus trafficking. It's a different protocol uh, when it comes to that. But when you're talking about recruitment of children in this area, in the domestic setting by a uh, person like say at the mall, the one or two individuals, and they'll have what we call a recruiting child or or other children that will recruit children to come into the fold and ultimately be, what I would say, seduced into doing this type of behavior because it's a form of acceptance. Um, It's a whole different psychological profile that's utilized. And uh, many a times the the minors will not cooperate with prosecution of these individuals because they are brainwashed, Mm -hmm. as opposed to the women that come over the border and are forced into this. They're frightened for their lives and their families lives, but ultimately... In my, in the case I work, uh, we had some very brave women step out and assist us with prosecuting those individuals. So the domestic violent, domestic trafficking is a whole different animal, as you would say, as opposed to the international one, and uh, requires a different approach from uh, the one we
1: would do uh, involving the international uh, cartels. Now, now, this is going to be a, a, probably a hard question to answer, but maybe you can give us some uh, some kind of insight. As to then, okay, let's say a human trafficker sex trafficker comes over, has a stable of people, women, possibly boys. How do they advertise this? Is this on the dark web of the Internet? How, how is the prostitution phase carried out in this, uh, that scenario? Okay, so
0: we'll talk about the international one first. The international one relies on their, they stay within their culture. So the Latino community, the Latino culture, the uh, cartels operate in that community and they don't advertise. They use a system of what we call brothels around the state of Florida. And they basically, it's not a hierarchy; it's a network, and they ship the girls from brothel to brothel uh, every week, and um, and it's a word of mouth thing in those communities. And a lot of time, they serve what I would call the members that come in to work in this country, or even the the legal ones. But it's pretty much word of mouth, and they serve only their Hispanic males. You be a white call kitchening in an attempt to go into one of these because they'll think you're the police Mm -hmm. so that's how it's operated there and like i said it's a higher it's not a hierarchy it's a network and of, of brothels operating all over and then the domestic side where it's more involved with what i would say the minor or the adult that's usually uh, addicted to drugs they have a what i would call a tragic past maybe having been abused themselves in their family or by others and they've just had just a horrible life leading into the situation and this is where they found themselves ending up or the kids could be from a good family and then they're just influenced by other kids to get into this and ultimately hooked on drugs so there's a lot of times involved with the domestic the domestic trafficking is a drug component that requires some type of rehab um breaking away because that uh, trafficker is what i would call a manip their minds where the the trafficker in the international crimes the, in, the international nexus they're more forceful they're forcing these women and children to be involved because of the f- and the coercion where the manipulating trafficker and the domestic side is really getting into these kids heads or these women's heads and then utilizing narcotics to influence their and impair their judgment okay. and become dependent upon them for any type of I would say positive reinforcement or negative reinforcement any reinforcement and uh, it's 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 just as diabolical it's just a different formula
1: And we've been interviewing Patrick Crow, who's a Florida law enforcement officer involved in sex trafficking stings. When I talked to him after this interview, he wanted to add the information that these women are expected to service between 25 and 45 men per day. How tragic is that? We will continue with this great interview. Stay with us here on Mission America Radio. This is Linda Harvey. We'll be right back. Today's program is pre recorded. To learn more, log on to missionamerica.com. Now, here's Linda. And let's continue with our interview with Patrick Crowe as he describes the relationship between pornography and sex trafficking. So, you've described the relationship between drugs and uh, sex trafficking. So, what about pornography? And I'm thinking child pornography. There's got to be a fair amount of uh, use of these captured. Uh, young people in pornographic images because that could be very very uh, lucrative uh, so tell us what you what you can tell us about that
0: yes on the on the domestic side of human trafficking they rely as you on the dark website they'll set themselves up in hotel rooms and they do rely on pornography and they'll uh, very seductive photographs of these young women or girls uh, through the internet i would say um, you know encourage men to call the number and set up a, a you know a rendezvous in one of the hotels they're operating out of at that current time so that is utilized pornography the big big i would say element of this crime because you have a lot of men out there uh, you know, getting their lust all worked up, and now they want to go at on this lust. And prostitutes are the first individual to think of uh,
1: if they can't find a willing sex partner. But so most of these sex traffickers are not people that are videotaping for pornography only and then shipping it out on the Internet, or is there some of that going on as well as the, you know, actual prostitution? From time to
0: time. It depends. Yes, they will. They will definitely film that. They'll film it maybe for extortion purposes against uh, one of the Johns. If they know that John has something to lose uh, or they'll they'll broadcast it out to uh, promote the business. Yes. Yeah, that is pornography is a huge component in any type of prostitutional operation
1: so give us the picture as far as are we getting a handle on this is it getting away from us in both i guess the, your state uh, and at the state level and also at the federal level how can we look at the future well, i
0: For the state of florida this is a main initiative of ours and it always has been and always will be it goes right in line with uh you know any other type of violent crime this is considered a crime of violence and so the florida department of law enforcement along with our local partners and our federal partners in this state we're combating it every day and doing anything we can to hinder the 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 business of it and to um, hold those accountable when we arrest them it's a difficult investigation to conduct it's very labor intensive Uh, You're starting out with victims who are either drug addicted and don't want to cooperate, or you're starting out with the victims from the international cases that are very frightened, and and understandably so, and they don't want to talk to you. So we operate under what we call a victim-centered approach to help get that victim safe and get them what they need and help them evolve and, and get out of that control phase of these perpetrators that controlled their life and get them to a place and not sit in a shelter but get them back into the mainstream of life with working and being productive and getting counseling and then ultimately our goal is not only to help them but ultimately some of these women and girls are very brave and decide okay now that they have themselves back they no longer are under the spell or the control of others now they're ready to help us and hold those people accountable and that's that is truly brave of them, and this, this crime cannot be addressed without the help of the non-government organizations, the advocates, the counselors. It is a community effort to investigate and, and get these victims transferred to what I would call survivors, transformed into a survivor that will help us hold these people accountable. And it's a long process, but it's worth it. But it's not for the average detective. It's not for the average police officer. It, it's, it's difficult to deal with because um, there's so many moving parts and it's a very insidious crime that occurs right in front of us. And you can go to the FDLE website, and we uh, put indicators up of what to watch for, any citizen, and they can see there's a whole list of indicators. Mm -hmm. So if they're somewhere, they may see indicators of possible human trafficking going on right
1: before them. Well, give us a couple of those, and what would parents watch out for on the domestic uh, trafficking side as well?
0: Well, it's very similar to what you would see children of exploitation, you know, but with traffickers... Um, You're going to see evidence of controlling and a dominating relationship very similar to domestic violence Many of the victims I've uh, Come to know and were identified to me came into women's shelters as actual domestic violence victims And it wasn't until they started to tell their stories was it determined they were actually victims of sex trafficking Mm -hmm. And again, you're talking about classing of cultures, you know where they come from they don't trust the police They don't trust law enforcement and they're very frightened about what could happen. So it's a it's it's an evolutionary process that we really relies on the advocates and the counselors to get them to feel strong enough and brave enough to talk about what happened to them. Yeah. But there's physical signs of a bruising. They're less likely to want to talk for themselves. Somebody else will be talking. They don't carry uh, their own identification. Uh, somebody else controls it and carries it they could be uh, with a juvenile they could stop st- attending school you know they have their whole life pattern changes if they're being recruited by another child in their school where you know so there's all kinds of i would say signs when you put them put them together they start to show a picture uh, of, of what's occurring in it and it's i would say a change of life pattern. When it comes to a young child that you think is going off the rails and being influenced by another child in their midst, um, it could in fact be somebody recruiting them to step out and go with them to the manipulating trafficker. With respect to the uh, international, many a times they show up in emergency rooms and they're being controlled by another individual. That's a huge indicator uh, when they show up in like hospital emergency rooms, which Florida has done a great deal of uh, education to uh, first-line medical personnel. When they see these possible indicators, they call the police or call a detective that's uh, assigned to this type of crime to come in and do what we would call a cursory interview. Um, a youth charged with truancy and loitering and battery uh, is, could be an indicator of some type of trafficking. Again, it's very similar to children being exploited by an adult. Uh, as we talked about in your first show.
1: Well, in the interest of time, we're going to have to close uh, here. Tell people how to get your hold of your great books. Uh, The one is Seducers Among Our Children, but you have others as well. Tell us about those.
0: Well, um, I have actually two books out there. The one is The Seducers Among Our Children, and that's by the Lighthouse Trails Press and you can punch my name in or the title of that book in barnes and noble or amazon and access the book there or you can just reach out to uh, lighthouse trails publishing online and i'm sure they'll uh, sell it to you as well also my other book um confronting evil pursuing truth the chronicles of a major crimes detective that was put out by history press and that's also accessible through barnes and noble and uh, amazon and that talks about basically cases, hostage negotiation, murder, and uh, sex offense cases as
1: well. Well, I ask my listeners to pray for you and for all law enforcement officers trying to do the right thing to protect our children um, and our society from all of this. And God bless you, um, Patrick. I'm just so in admiration of what you're doing. So again, thank you so much for being our guest today. Thank you,
0: Linda. It's been a pleasure Um, and an honor.
1: And friends, this is a difficult uh, thing to hear about that this is going on, but do keep your eyes open. Remember that we must continue to be vigilant in our culture today, but do not give up hope that we can overcome this. Just remember that with God, all things are still possible. I hope you have a great day.